Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning, everyone. Just want to, uh, if you came in a bit late, you maybe missed the uh, introduction, but introduction to... uh, our song leader this morning, uh, Colwyn Ward. Would you give her a warm Aurora welcome? And uh, she is leading us in worship as well. Good news too. Pastor Brett didn't mention it, but as of yesterday, he is now an official Aurora resident. Official Aurora resident. So that is good. Uh, we. Um, he hasn't told me where he lives yet. I was, I was saying, hey, you'd, you'd like to, us all to come around with some toilet paper for, I guess we can't use toilet paper these days. They're out of the stores again, aren't they? For housewarm gifts. One per person. One per person. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we're, we're welcoming him to our community and getting settled in. Uh, wasn't that a great weekend last weekend with uh, Pastor Jerry? Just sharing a little bit of the history, a little bit of the background. It just gives us a sense of, of journey that we're on a journey together. And it's great to be able to go back and know that we're part of something that was birthed in prayer, continues to, I believe, be birthed in prayer. And we believe until Jesus comes that God has uh, great plans for the community of churches here, and that cornerstone is one of them. want to give a welcome to those who are online joining us live. We welcome you this morning, too. There's a significant audience that joins us live, and so we welcome them as well. Uh, Would you take your Bibles with me this morning? We're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, we're going to start chapter 12, and then we're going to actually chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, and then we'll go down a few chapters from that. So Matthew chapter 16. We'll be starting there in just a few moments. Anybody here ever been to the community northern Ontario called Chaplow? Anybody been to Chaplow? Okay. My wife, myself. So Lori was born in Chaplow, northern Ontario. Shortly after we got married, uh, she wanted me. She still got a number of relatives up in that community, and so we um, packed the car we got a tent trailer, pulled it behind, crossed over at Blue Water Bridge into Port Huron, went up I-75, crossed over Mackinac Bridge up to the Sioux. When we got to the Sioux, we were gassing up, and, and, and we needed to know how to get to, I'd never been to, and Lori had never driven the trip, so she wasn't sure how to get to Chaplow from the Sioux. She'd always come in a different route. So I pulled out my great big, you know, that's when you had those great big maps. Pulled out my great big map and service station attendant and asked, how do I get to here, Chaplow, from where we are now? And his answer was very straightforward. He just looked at it and he's very emphatically, you can't get there from here. In other words, there's no direct road. You can't get there from here. And I discovered in northern Ontario that is often true. There's a lot of theirs. You, there's no direct route to it. It's a very long way around. So 
We actually did get there by way of Wawa, but you couldn't get there simply from here. I want to use that analogy this morning because that is a good indicator when it comes to life. We want to do life. We want to have answers to life. We want to have purpose in life. And I really believe two fundamental things about life. We want to have joy in life, and that means contentment, peaceful contentment. And we want to have a sense of purpose. What is life about? And in that, we tend to try to answer that question about life, life's question, which is the question, starting with us. The starting gate is us. But the problem is, is you can't understand life, nor can you obtain life, starting with you. So that guy could have said, you can't get there from here. You can't get life from you. The only way you can get life is from where life began, our Creator. Our Creator is Him who birthed life, said, let there be life, and there was. He breathed life in. He is the Creator of all life. And so if we start with Him, you can find life. But if we choose to not start with Him, we will look at many, and that's what people do. That's what many of us did, that we tried to find life through starting with us. We thought if we maybe just got into the right relationships, if we made enough money, if people knew us, if we were liked by others, then we would have life and life abundantly. But that's not how life is. Life begins with the Creator. And so the picture here is life began with the Creator, and so must we. We are made by God. We are made for God. And outside of God, life does not make sense. Matthew 16, 25, Jesus said this. You found it in your Bibles. Jesus said, verse 25, Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. He is saying here, if you want to hold on to life but without Christ you lose everything. Okay, that's not a good option. But, he says, whoever, that's anybody, whoever actually loses their life, and what he's saying is you lose your life in Christ. Whoever loses their life in me, you'll actually find your life. In Christ is life. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am life. So if you want to discover life, you must discover me. So therefore, if you lose your life in Christ, you'll actually find it. The word find actually means you'll discover it. Now, there is immediate life in Christ, but it's also a lifetime discovery. Yes, there's an immediate positional relationship with Jesus, but then it begins, the journey begins. The journey of exploration of what it is to be in Christ. What it is to be followers of Jesus. What it is to be named a new name and to have new purpose and new plans. So this past summer, we as a Cornerstone Church, we really, with the isolation taking place, we weren't having any services here. Uh, we were doing Zoom as a congregation. 
everything got canceled. Everything got messed up. You know, people were, uh, their jobs were put on hold. Some were told to stay home, work from home. Some of us have never gone back from that. We continue to work at home. Some, that was a stepping stone into trying to get us back to work. And some have gone back to work who are here. Uh, some of you were let go. Uh, your workplace changed. Uh, they didn't need that many employees anymore. Your workplace changed. Maybe some here this morning or who are with us live, uh, you had a business and you've had to close the doors to the business. Some of you are hoping to open back up and I realize maybe some of you will never open that business again. Doing family changed. What you did as a family. Summertime's normally vacation. Uh, it's been the strangest vacation time for Lori and myself ever. We had plans, we had aspirations, and we virtually didn't do them. We, we could have actually virtually did them, if you speak of it in so many words. We could have virtually, some of it, because it's changed. Getting together, hanging out. Um, you know, you've heard the expression the last few months, and that's why with the second wave of COVID, it's, it's, it's a very challenging wave because we are so done with it. We're so done with it, but we're not. It's not over. And so the fear, the, the long-term, what's happening, what will take place, school, and, and again, uh, it, there's been a lot of sensationalism absolutely in the midst of it. But in the midst of all this, we began to ask some questions here. What are we all about? I think those are good questions. I think it's good questions about, about church. I think it's good questions about my family. Lori and I did that regarding our own family. What's it all about with our own family? We have children. We have in-laws. What's it about with our extended family? How much will we keep contact? What will we do that's different than what we did before? What about friendships? Now, I know there was a number of people who are part of our Cornerstone family, maybe some here, that at the point that we no longer met on Sunday came to an awareness that you actually didn't know very many people who are part of the church family. I mean, it's kind of awkward being a family if you don't know each other. And so once we got isolated, no longer were there, hi, how are you, my name is, then all of a sudden we we're kind of like, I don't know their names. I don't know who they are. And if you remembered the first name, you probably didn't know the second name. And if you didn't have means to look them up, you're actually quite isolated. It's one of the things that we knew that we needed to be quite urgent in. In the early days of the pandemic, back in March, one of the, the big thing we were saying, the big rock in the jar was, please, everybody, go to our website every week because communication is getting shut down as well. And so how will you know what's going on with the family, the church family, the spiritual family, if we haven't got a common denominator? So we began to look at these things and began to ask questions about doing church, doing life. What does doing life look like? And we looked at the things that I've mentioned, the three Bs. It's not about how many there are, because if you look here, there's a, lot, there's a whole lot more empty seats than there are people. So if life... If church life is about full seats, oh my goodness, we're in trouble because we can't do it. If church life is about going to big buildings and big activities in the buildings, can't do it. If church life is about a lot of money, the money's really down. 
really down. And so now the big questions, what is life about? We looked at, and then in the summer, I really began to, it came out, and I just talked about it. I tend to do that, and so just what's going on comes out. So I began to talk about the three things. We began a reset, a repurpose, and a retool. We reset. So you know in your devices, something happens, and you just have to hit the reset button. I've had that happen on my phone, where on the phone, it's just like, doesn't make sense, doesn't make sense. I talked to an IT person, and they said, did you turn it right off and turn it right back on? Because there's a reset in the process. And when you do it, it's like it figures itself out most of the time. And so we recognize maybe we need to hit a reset because you get running places and you need to change up and you need to hit a reset. We also recognize that the purpose starts to get diverted. So what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Repurpose it. And what is the new purpose in life? And then the third one was retooling. Once having done that, we need to retool in order to get back to where maybe God has called us to be. And that was, a, that was a problem in the early church. It has been a problem for the last 2,000 years. I don't anticipate it's a problem that's going away anytime soon. The problem is, is that we get off track doing life. So we've come to this place in Juncture where we thought, let's, let's not make it complicated. We're just going to call it doing life together. Doing life together. And we're going to go right across the whole thing, the, whole, the entire church. We're going to do life together. It's, it's about life, the key center word, life. What is life? What does it mean to do life together? Jesus was asked this very question, and the question had to do with regard to life. What is the purpose of life? And so here's the question. What's the point of life here on earth? What's the point of life here on earth? So I'm actually, it's not a hypothetical question. I'm actually asking you that question this morning. You're actually going to answer it. So unless you're by yourself, if you're by yourself, you get to talk to yourself. But if you're not by yourself, you get to talk to the person next to you. So you got somebody next to you, husbands, wives, children, family, your little cluster, okay? Ready? Here's the question. We're only going to have about a half a minute. We can't have a lot of time on here. Here's the question. You're going to answer it. What's the point of life here on earth? It's a really good question. Okay, got your answer. Turn to the person next to you and both of you share one thing. What's the point of life here on earth? What do you think it is? Go ahead. Talk to each other. And while you're talking to each other, if you're joining us live, I invite you live. Why don't you do that? If you're with someone, take a moment and turn to them and just ask the question. Here we're answering. What's the point here on earth? So ask the question and come up with some answers. What's the point of life here on earth? Okay. Now, I know it's very, it can be very philo- philosophical and you can go on for a while. Okay, I got a question for you. How many, whoever answered you, actually had a pretty good answer? No one? Okay, two. Two? You actually had, wow, you guys had a good answer. Okay. Did the others not have that good of an answer? What's the point of life here on earth? I want you to just pause for a second. Let's not rush past this one. Isn't that a great question? What's the point of life here on earth? Oh, I'm sure there's many answers. Uh, begetting new life, having children. But then they could ask that question. Is, and so is it always just having the next generation? And what about those who maybe can't have children? Then that means there's no purpose? I, I don't know. 
Um, the point of life on earth is uh, making a living, making an impact, loving people, uh, maybe living out your faith, maybe in relationship with others, different maybe responses we've had. If you were to take this out to your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, you would get different answers. What's the point of life here on earth? Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked the question. It wasn't in so many words, but basically it was this question. Matthew 22, verse 34, if you have it, I'm going to read it. Sadducees, Pharisees were together. Verse 35, Matthew 22, 35. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Now, here's how they framed it. They framed it within their custom, their culture. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Pause here for a second. The reason was that they lived by a ton of laws and feasts and festivities and rules and regulations and commandments. Life was all about rules, regulations, and commandments in their day. So that's how they framed the question. Teacher, what's the one big one? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest. And, before you take off, and, oh, back up, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws, the prophets hang on to, you could say, everything in life hangs on this. Jesus was fundamentally asked the question, What's the point here on earth? What's the point of life here on earth? And his answer was, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. <laughs> Purpose of life. Now, he didn't say love just people. And we actually have in our vision statement here, loving God, loving people. And it's okay. We understand people behind it. But... Jesus actually said, love your neighbor. The reason he is, he said that because he knew our tendency is to make it abstract. That we tend to, to distance what that looks like. In other words, therefore, I don't have to be personally responsible to do it. Because I don't know people. People are out there. People are without face. They're without names. They're without history. I don't know their story. But neighbors are different. You see, if you love your neighbor, there's a face to that neighbor. And I don't literally mean the person over the fence. I mean a neighbor is anybody that you cross paths with. They have a name. They have history. They have a family. Family of origin, if nothing else. They have things they love and they probably have things they hate. They have aspirations and they probably have some dreams. That's my neighbor. So that now requires me to be involved in those things. See, it's easy for me just to say, oh, yeah, the people over, you know, across the pond in Europe or, you know, Asia or whatever. And we should care for them because we live in a global neighborhood. Get that. But he said, your neighbor, the people you cross paths with, you need to love them. You need to love them. Well, how do I love my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor? So I'm going to share seven things this morning because this is where I want to get started. In these next number of weeks and months, I don't know how long it's going to continue, what I've done is you can go to the website, and this is particularly good for those that maybe are joining us live 
is that you can go to our website, auroracornerstone.ca, and we've made a couple questionnaires. These questionnaires are being looked at with a small group that's going to be happening in about 40 minutes from now downstairs, the young adult small group, the living room taking place. They're going to be going through this. They're going to be talking about this. My message, of course, is recorded. It's a podcast. It's going to be on YouTube. It's available in multiple different areas of media. You can, you can swing back and go through that. But more than that, this is made available for those online. You can, if you're talking with someone and you're thinking, what are the questions I need to talk relevant to Sunday? We've made them available. They're also available if you want a hard copy, those of you who like real paper. Actually, at our info center, every Sunday, copies are going to be made of some questions. Now, questions are going to be on two different pages. One page is happened to be, if you're hanging out, maybe some of you, um, you go for walks with friends. Maybe you go to the gym and you, you chat or you, you do something in life together. Then I encourage you, if they're, if, they're, if they're people of faith, there's one sheet that talks about more questions that they will understand. But some of you, you don't work or you don't go to school with anybody of faith. They don't, they don't, they're not followers of Jesus. I've actually got a list of about five or six questions for them. And it's not that you hand them these questions. It's that you would look for ways to be a neighbor. Be a neighbor. And so looking for ways to do that, you just want to initiate some intentional conversation. For some of us, it's really easy. You're just like, conversations are not one of your problems. <laughs> For some of you, you just like get cold sweats all over thinking about it. Conversation? He wants me to talk to people? I'm not talking about strangers, but we're talking about your people you cross paths with. Here's what I believe. This is my goal for this year next year, that everyone reach one in 2021. That ever, I see, I think this is the point of life. Point of life is not Pastor Wayne reaching everybody because never I can't do it. I can only reach a small segment. But I am responsible for my small segment. But all of us are. So everyone reach one for 2021. It's not a huge goal, but it will change your life. And it will change someone else's life. So... I've made it available. There's questionnaires, and they're available online, too. You can get that. They're going to be available every week. And if you come on Wednesday morning and Wednesday evening, there's a Wednesday morning group with a ladies' group. Uh, Wednesday evening will be my group. Uh, youth will be meeting downstairs. If you come on those nights, we're going to have a time of prayer, and we're going to be meeting in our cafe at the back. Uh, so both Wednesday morning and Wednesday evening, uh, welcome you. Uh, and again, we'll be distancing and with masks and everything. But we're going to be unwrapping this. That's what we're going to, we're going to unwrap this on those days. And there's some strategic questions. And those that come those days, we're actually offering a little um, Bible study series that are available. They're $10 per little booklet, just covers your cost. And they will be made available for those who attend on the Wednesday. Now let me get to the seven points I wanted to get to. Okay, seven practical ways to love your neighbor. Number one, love them the way you want to be loved. <laughs> it's not rocket science. So love them the way, start with you. How do you want to be loved? How do you want to be loved? Here's what I think is a real great starting point. Instead of asking the question, who is my neighbor? Because we're trying to figure out, well, who's he talking about? Who's my neighbor? Instead of making that your starting question, I believe the better question is, how can I be the neighbor? When I get up in the morning, how can I be the neighbor? 
So instead of going, okay, there's a neighbor. But instead of, I'm going to be a neighbor, and there's going to be opportunities to be a neighbor, an opportunity to step into something, an opportunity to make a difference. How can I be a neighbor? When we wonder how to express love to others during maybe times of social isolation, maybe asking the question and finding the answer, what would make me feel loved? And start there, chances are they will feel loved the same way. Love them like you want to be loved. Secondly, love them with empathy. Everybody say empathy. Empathy, empathy, I love that word. Empathy is identifying with the feelings and the hurts of the person with you. So it's not just enough that they're there and you just want to say something, but try to understand them. And in order to understand them, we have to listen. Now, there's people who are really good at talking but not good at listening. <laughs> Don't look at your spouse. Okay. Number one problem in marriage is communication, and they will frequently say they just don't listen to me. Sometimes they don't want to listen. We don't want to listen. And listening is a part of empathy. Listening is powerful. I want to show a clip here, and it was given to me a couple of weeks ago. I just I came across it on YouTube, and it really impacted me. It's a six-minute clip. It really impacted me. It has to do with suicide, but I want you to go beyond the issue of suicide to the issue of listening, because listening is is something I believe is one of the most spiritual things that will enter into a relationship than anything else. Let's watch this clip. I'm 220 feet in the air, and I have somebody trying to get my attention. I keep yelling at them. I say, if you get any closer, that's it. Because all I got to do is nudge back. And what happens? Because somebody is four or five minutes late getting home, they roll down their window as they come by, and they yell out, jump, you SOB. What? Could I have done different? I was tired of living this lie. I was tired of lying to everybody. I was exhausted at who I become. I thought about the Golden Gate Bridge. I asked for directions. So I, I got to the Bay Bridge and I, and I asked them for directions. I said, how do you get to the Golden Gate Bridge? But I was telling myself, okay, whoever I ask, I hope that I, when I ask them, they'll look at me in my face and they'll see something inside of me and ask me, well, why are you going to the bridge? Because part of me on the inside was ready to say why I wanted to go. I mean, I was really looking for a reason to, to continue to live. I couldn't find anything. And the lady just looked at me in my face and gave me a plain look. She gave me directions. I knew it wasn't going to be all right no more. Parked my car, left the keys in the ignition, grabbed my prepaid phone, and I got there on that bridge and I started walking. I looked over the railing, saw there was nothing that was going to stop me. I saw there was nothing in the water. But when I looked in that water, I just didn't see water. I saw peace. I saw no more nights of crying. I saw no more living a lie. I saw no more being a burden. All the things that I needed in life, I saw in that water. I took a couple steps back, and in the moment as I'm heading towards the railing and about to jump over, I hear a voice. Hey, is everything all right? And in that moment, it was enough of a distraction to where I grabbed the railing and turned myself on this cord. I'm 220 feet in the air, and I have somebody trying to get my attention. I'm upset. I'm yelling back and forth for him. Stay back. I'm trying to keep myself warm. I'm bundled up. So I keep yelling at him. I say, if you get any closer, that's it. Because all I got to do is nudge back. Like, that's all I got. Not even a big nudge, just a small nudge, and that's it. 
finally in my heart starts feeling like, why does you even care? Because he's not, he's not yelling at me. He's not, he's, not, he's not making me feel like I'm stupid for being here. Because everything inside of me is like, man, you're stupid. You didn't put yourself in this position. You did not come here to talk. I came here because I was in pain and I was trying to get out of it. But here after 15 minutes, this, this voice starts to penetrate me in, 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 my, in my soul. And it, and it gets a little closer and I start to hear him. I never look up. And in that same position on that bridge with my feet hanging off the cord, and at any moment I could do this and, and it could be over. And for 92 minutes, this individual, this human, just listened to me. Now, think about that when I say that. For 92 minutes, he sat there, he stood there and just listened to me. So after this time, he decided on his own to come back over the rail and I said, what did I do that helped this situation? All he told me was, you listened. You let me speak and you listened. That's all this guy was looking for and I think that's what so many people are looking for. Shortly after this incident, I received a letter from Kevin's mother. Dear Mr. Briggs, I adopted Kevin when he was only six months old, but you are one of the reasons Kevin is still with us. I truly believe Kevin was crying out for help. We truly thank God for you. Sincerely indebted to you, Narvella Berthia. It's really good. We have a choice. Are we going to take the path of none of my business, they should handle it? Are we going to confront them head on and say, hey, I'm seeing these things. What's going on? Let's talk. Listen to understand, that's the key. Listen to understand. Kevin Briggs is known as the guardian of the Golden Gate Bridge. He spent more than two decades talking people down from committing suicide. I want to know that there is hope and we want to help, we want to know about it. Don't feel that you're alone in this. Briggs talked roughly 200 people out of suicide. We don't have to be doctors, psychiatrists and all that. We can do this right here, right now to be able to have that courageous conversation with someone. I just focus on going this way. I don't worry about going back. I don't worry about left, I don't worry about right, I just worry about forward. I used to think I was alone and nobody in the world felt like me. Now that I know it's people in the world that feel like me, it's my job to help them out, to encourage them, let them know, hey, I've been where you've been, the darkest point that you ever thought you could ever be, and I came out of it. You can come out of it too. I can't honestly believe that it, with almost eight billion people on this planet, that people still feel alone. And that's why we all gotta come together two ears and one heart. That's what saved my life and that's what all of us in this room possess. Challenge yourself today and in the future to look out for each other. The moment, the moment people feel heard, they get healed. The moment, but they have to be heard. Listening can save people's lives and we all can do it. sent this to uh, somebody and they were looking at it uh, and then they sent back a picture and uh, here's the picture they sent back. I thought it was good and I was thinking that's community. <laughs> that's community. You're not going off this bridge if I can help it. 
You got the hands, you got the belt, you got the rope. Got me holding his pants. They've got him around the neck. Somebody's got one arm, somebody's got another arm. And I saw that picture and I said, that's community. That's community. That's when we not only do life, but we do life together. That we care enough, that when we talk here, that we care enough that we listen and we understand what they're saying and what they're doing and what they're going through. Not just, just to judge, to listen, to be heard. You get this in Psychology 101. Everybody has a story to tell. And if they're not telling it, it's because they're not safe. So if somebody's doing all the talking and somebody's doing all the listening, it's not because somebody's a lot brighter and better. It's because somebody doesn't necessarily feel safe with their story. So listen. Listen. What do they say in marriage? There should be, if, if it's, you know, 75 to 25 conversation, it's not a healthy relationship going on. There needs to be communication. Listening. Well, you love them by listening, don't you? Uh, let me give you the third one. We'll just go through these quickly. Love them by praying for them. Praying for them. I know that we shouldn't have to say it, but we do. Because prayer is one of the hardest, if not the hardest, spiritual discipline. Oh, I'm not talking a little God is great, God is good, and we thank you for the food. I'm not talking something you just rip through. I'm talking about actually spending some bit of time and praying for them. I've got a dear friend. He's my translator. He's down in Cuba. As far as I know, he could be listening to me. We just realized, wow, he's listening to us many times if he can live. And my translator down there, and, and every few weeks he sends up something and he's just, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm praying for you. He sends me a couple scripture verses. Now, he's in a difficult situation down there, a very difficult situation. His wife is a, a, a doctor. She's exposed. She actually treats COVID patients. That's her thing. And, and he, he has some issues going on in his physical body, and there's a number of things going on, and, and pulled in family together. And, and right now, because the countries have been shut off, all the money's not coming in, and and it's, they're back to brownouts again and not enough food. And yet he's encouraging me, constantly encouraging me that when we're done, I'm just like, I feel blessed. Look for ways to encourage. Look for ways to bless. Look for ways to pray. Pray for one another. Uh, I encourage you to do that, to not only be a person who, with empathy, but to be a person who will pray for another um, there, uh, Pastor Trish and I just finished doing a podcast. It's going to go out tomorrow, so it's available on our, our, our website tomorrow. And I, in the podcast, it's largely around uh, children, st families that are struggling with defiance, rebellion, waywardness. Uh, and it's for children, young children, children when they're babies, toddlers on through, but adolescent years, teenage years, how to deal with that, very turbulent times typically, and then also children who've left the home, or adult children. And at the end, what I did is I actually put seven things that I, over the years I put together. These are seven ways to pray for your wandering child. Seven ways to pray for your wandering child. And I'm not going to re recapture that again this morning, but you can go on to the website. Again, that's coming off of a podcast that'll be on tomorrow morning. Number four, love them by encouraging them. Encourage them. 
Uh, all the more so in these days. We need courage these days. Proverbs 16, 24. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Kind words. Find a way. Find a way that's unique to you. If it's by texting, text. If it's email, email. If it's a pick up the phone, pick up the phone. If it's a card, a card. If it's visiting in person, visit in person. If it's over a coffee, over a coffee. Find a way to encourage. Look to be a neighbor. Number five, you can love when they hate. There's a lot of hatred going on right now. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of angry words. We are getting pumped a lot these days with American politics, and there's a lot of hate, a lot of anger. Well, we don't even have to go across the border. It's right here in Canada. It's right here with our own government, with our own province. I mean, how many times you see someone, maybe it's one of our leaders, get up and share, here's what we're doing, and then right after this, somebody comes on and tells them how they're doing it all wrong. There's a lot of anger and hatred and cynicism and sarcasm and meanness spoken through words. Here's the point. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're called to be the light in a dark world. And you're not a light if we simply mimic the same thing. A light stands out. You turn a light bulb on in a dark room and all eyes turn to that light. You don't look to the darkness when there's light. They will look to you if your words are words of light. Let your words bring brightness to the day instead of just following the track of everyone else. Can we be above that? Can we in Christ Jesus do better than that? Can our words reflect something more than the cynicism of this hour? I pray it will. Love when they hate. Number six, love with words. Uh, the guiding principle of the words we speak is Will what I'm about to say encourage the one who's about to hear it? Does what I'm about to say actually encourage them who is about to hear it? Sometimes people just need to know and hear you care. Words, you care. Number seven, love when opportunity arises. Multiple opportunities to share love and mercy will present themselves. Opportunities. They are always near, I'm convinced. Directly helping those that you can help. Opportunity. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. So that's why I'm going to start the day being a good neighbor, looking for those opportunities. I grew up, with, uh, there was five in our family. I was the youngest. They tell me I was spoiled, but I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that, Colin. No, we're not spoiled. We just know what we want. Yeah, we know what we want. I have two older sisters. We would have a place when we grew up around the family table. My father, me, my mother, my other two sisters. Every time, and we ate around the table. We're, we're, not a, we're not a couch dining family. We ate around the table. And my father died 30 years ago. Uh, we were married. We had our children at that time. When we would come home and we'd be at the table, for the longest time, that chair just was empty. Some of you know what that's like. That chair is empty. 
there's an emptiness in your heart, there's an emptiness never more tangible than when you sit at the table and the chair is empty. And nobody really wanted to sit in that chair. That was dad's chair. I want to use that expression that there's an empty chair around us. <laughs> there's lots of empty chairs. But I want to suggest in your circles that there's an empty chair and somebody needs to be there. It's your neighbor, whoever that neighbor is. Somebody needs to be in that empty chair. Somebody who needs what you have. Somebody who needs the body of Christ. Somebody who needs the things we've been talking about. Love. Who needs love? Who needs the love of Christ? Who needs to back to the purpose of starting with Jesus? And then things start to make sense. But they need that, and they don't have it. The chair is empty. As we close this morning, this afternoon, as we close, I want you to think about the empty chair. As a matter of fact, I've used it as part of my life journey. Many times when I'm in a group, in a small group, and in church settings, I look at chairs, and I still do. I look at chairs, and I pray, God, and I, somebody in my life, somebody I know, I pray one day, let them be there. Because they need you. May they be the person who fills that chair. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.